Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's got a special place in everybody's heart because it's our first love for basketball. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those iconic old-school venues, and unfortunately, the team sucked for so long uh, that all the fans had were each other to rally behind. So the fans, the soul, the stadium, the arena itself became as much of a story than the Warriors' crappy squad that they poured out there. So <laughs> I have a special spot and affinity for Oracle. And like I said, when they move to San Francisco and it's completely official, they play this first game, there's going to be a lot of the fan base that's just never going to be pleased. We all know these people in our daily lives. They're going to be frustrated and angry, and there's nothing they can do to please them. Um, Shasky, so a year ago today, I don't know if you know this, but Khalil Mack was traded for, yeah. I think, about uh, two pennies and maybe a, a muffin or something maybe like that. Maybe a nickel, too. Yeah, maybe a nickel. I don't know, maybe a quarter. Um, one of the worst trades in Bay Area sports history. Shasky, you got, you got any thoughts on any other ones that kind of come to mind? Well, the worst trade of all time is when Terrell Owens failed to file for free agency. The, war, the 49ers still had his rights, okay, still had his rights. And they could have traded him to Baltimore for a second-round pick. They could have retained him for one more season and tried to work out an extension. I don't know why they didn't put together an extension. Instead, they traded with the Philadelphia Eagles for a conditional fifth-round pick and a guy by the name of Brandon Whiting who never suited up for the 49ers. Yes, Terrell Owens was traded for nothing and then went on to have an incredible season with the Philadelphia Eagles. Obviously, they went to the Super Bowl. I mean, the, the, the guy put his, his stature on another platform when he went to Philly. He was unbelievable. First play of preseason, I think he went 80 yards on a touchdown. He, he was the baddest dude on the planet. It's one of the worst trades ever. And it's the only time, the only time in NFL history when a quarterback, wide receiver, and running back who led their team in those statistics left in the same offseason. Wow. Harrison Hurst. Jeff Garcia and T.O. I mean, they gutted the team. So speaking of the Niners, uh, Vegas has them at eight wins. Where do you stand on them going into the season? Season starts this weekend or a week from today. Where do you see them? I love the Niners. I really do. But I feel like I love them so much. It's like my wife. She knows all my flaws. I know all their flaws. And people get mad. I, I have season tickets. I sit in the end zone. I want them to win. I want them to go to the playoffs. I just can't see it this year. There's just too many good teams in the NFC, and specifically in the NFC West. As long as Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll are together, that team is going to win 9 to 11 games every year. That's what great quarterbacks and Hall of Fame coaches do, period. And then I look at Los Angeles, and they're just so deep. They have the best player on defense outside of Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald. And if Todd Gurley is somewhat healthy, they're going to be unbelievable. But even if he's not, I mean, Jared Goff has already put together three seasons that Jimmy Garoppolo would be dying to have. I mean, dying to have. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't even think Goff is all that great. I think he's a better version of Matt Ryan. But they, they've just been a better, more complete, well-run organization that makes savvy moves. they got to keep Tlaib and Marcus Peters. These guys are your prototypical 2019 corners because they'll give up a huge play and then make a big play by creating some sort of a turnover. The 49ers just have a lack of blue-chip talent. Jimmy Garoppolo has to prove it this year. I want to see it from him. They have no veteran wide receiver that you can rely on right now. And when it comes to this defensive line, everybody's saying it how 
how highly touted and how heralded it is. You got to go out and prove it for crying out loud. Got to be healthy. Do we even do we even know if Bosa is going to play? Yeah. I, I, I love the pick, but my God, is he even going to play this week? If they don't beat Tampa Bay, I think <laughs> it's going to be a very very rough season. I'm looking at the schedule and I'm saying there's like three games that to me they have to win if they want to have a great season, and two of them are in the first two weeks, and they're both on the East Coast, and the 49ers have not won an East Coast game in six freaking years. Six years. You mentioned Jimmy G. What do you want to see from Jimmy this season that's going to keep you excited about his prospects going forward? Jimmy has to play all 16 games. He can't even miss one game with a high ankle sprain. The great quarterbacks, look, Eli Manning isn't even a great quarterback, but what is he? He's up every single game, and he never gets hurt. There is an art to it. There is an absolute art to it. Uh, Aaron Rodgers still hasn't figured it out, but he's so damn talented, he can overcome it by playing only 12 or 13 games, and that division was crummy for so long. The Niners don't have that, that luxury. Their team's not loaded. They need Jimmy in every single game. Guys, this is the bare minimum, okay? And this is how bad 49er quarterbacking has been since Jeff Garcia left. 3,500 yards, 24 touchdowns, and about 12 picks. If he can be in that range, it will be the best quarterback season for a San Francisco 49er quarterback since Jeff Garcia left in 2003. Derek Carr's worst season last year, everyone would agree, all of his numbers dwarfed any 49er quarterback since Jeff Garcia. It's sad. It's sad. That's, that's how low the bar is. And the way the game is structured, if you don't throw for 4,030 touchdowns, what are you doing at quarterback? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, he's going to have to show up. I mean, that's, that's, that's why they paid him, right? That's why they paid D. Ford. Uh, the two most important positions in the, uh, in the league, they're going to uh, have to show up and be healthy. Uh, but Shasky, we've got to go to break. Thank you, sir. Enjoy uh, your vacation, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, huh? Yeah, definitely. Just up here in the Russian River, enjoying the beautiful sun. You guys have a great week, and uh, go Niners. Shasky coming in a little reserved today, huh? Usually it's uh he's got that he's got that vacation vibe. Yeah, a little, little more laid back, a little hey. less, little less Red Bull, yeah, less a coffee. Little uh, got a little sun, right? Must be nice. All right, well, Warriors World Radio, we've got about forty-five minutes left of the show. Clear uh, phone right, clear phone lines the rest of the way. Uh, 888-957-9570. So dial in. Let us know what you think about the Chase Center. We'll be back to talk about our thoughts and what Sam thinks because he actually got to be there uh, after the break. Warriors World Radio continues on 95.7 The Game. Here's Andy Liu and Sam Espandiari. Ending the show with Avicii, a legend. R.I.P. Yeah. Man, the guy was a genius. It's like 14 years old, just throwing up, like, bangers. You know, it's like a... It's like a LeBron James. You know, he's just a, just a phenom at a young age. P- Sam is literally yawning. Sam, Did Avicii yeah, like have me. no help? <laughs> yeah, like Andy Liu. Just a phenom. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Sam's back. Sam's back. He made it back. All right. Warriors World Radio. Andy Liu. Sam is Fendiari. We are going to... I don't even know when our hard stop is. Around half an hour. Um, so far, we've discussed today. 
uh, Chase Center experience, uh, what we think about what the arena is going to feel like or look like when the show actually starts in about a you know month and a half. We talked about the worst trades in Barrier Sports history. Joe Shasky, who we had on last um, last segment, T.O., that was a great one. T.O. played that Super Bowl, Sam, on a broken leg or a torn knee, something. That was incredible. Broken foot. Um, yeah. Insane. So today is the one-year anniversary of the Khalil Mack trade where the Raiders decided instead of paying Khalil Mack a generational defensive player, they'd trade him. Pay that man his money. Yeah, I mean, Great that's movie. what you're supposed to do. Pay the man his money. But, you know, sometimes you got to trade the guy instead, right? Um, and that will go down as one of the worst trades in Barry's sports history. So call in 888-957-9570. Tell us some of the worst trades in Barry's sports history that you remember. Somebody somebody gave out a lot of Raiders ones on the text line. I mean, uh, the Raiders have made a lot of bad trades. <laughs> uh, a first and second round pick for Carson Palmer. I don't know. That's not too bad. More of a run of the mill, not a great trade, but yeah. not like all time terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm kind of surprised at kind of the lack of current Warriors uh, uh, bad traits. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Uh, well, they haven't really made any bad decisions since Lacob took over. Like you could point to little before, things though, in the margins. Yeah. Um, I can't really think of like I, I can think of some good ones. Like remember like Bogut, the Baron Davis. Yeah, yeah Bogut, Bogut sure. for Monte Ellis was objectively a great trade for the Warriors. And in the moment. I would. I think you'd agree on this. I think a lot of Warriors fans were not happy about that trade. Yeah, because in the moment Bogut was injured and it just felt like the same old trade a good productive player for a gamble that you know, probably won't work out because nothing works out for them. <laughs> uh, I was in favor of that trade. I just I never saw it with Monte Ellis in terms of a sustainable winning basketball player. So anytime you can, I mean, not anytime, but taking that risk for. A guy that is an elite defender, and Andrew Bogut was an elite defender uh, when he was healthy, I, I thought was a good deal. Um, so that was a good one that the Warriors did. Uh, I think I was in middle school when they traded for Baron Davis. Um, I, don't know, I don't remember exactly. I think Speedy Claxton was part of <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the Baron trade was objectively good. Where the Warriors messed it up was not keeping Baron. Yep. But end of the day, not keeping Baron, got him Steph Curry. So they kind of fell kind of into awe, yeah. kind of fell into luck. Um, if they had their previous ownership group, I'm 100 percent positive Steph Curry would have never stayed oh, yeah. with the Warriors, and you know they would have found a way to mess it all up. Well, let's keep in mind that Steph Curry didn't want to get drafted by the Warriors in the first place because they were terrible. Yes. Because they had that. For those who don't remember the Warriors uh, before this run, which would be our younger listeners, wow. Um, the Warriors were what the Charlotte Hornets are. We're just like, nothing good's going to happen here. Yeah. They'll find a way to screw it. They're what the Wizards are. Yeah, they it's, always found a way to screw it up. Yeah, even if they made a good pick, they would have found a way to mess it up. The Knicks were the eighth pick. Uh, the Warriors were the seventh pick. And I think some of the front office on the Warriors wanted to... Uh, they almost didn't want to draft Steph. I think Dell, uh, Steph's dad, kind of almost told them that and didn't really let him work out with the team. And sometimes when that happens, some teams don't draft that player. Um, someone for in the, example, the uh, Luka Doncic yes. didn't work out with certain teams, didn't yep. work out for the Kings. Yep. I think Porzingis also didn't work out at a certain number of teams. Correct. Um, so uh, sometimes that happens. I think who, who was it on the, uh, was it Larry Harris? I believe was the person that pretty much Larry, um, oh, no. 
Larry Riley. Larry Riley. That's yes. what I'm going for. Warriors have employed a lot of Larrys. <laughs> uh, and have, have won a bunch of Larry O'Briens. That is true. And ironically, a guy named Larry Ellison did not buy them. Okay, this is not just getting corny. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, those, by the way, when, when that story is incredible. Uh, Larry, the Larry Ellison story. I think a lot of Warriors fans, probably you included, wanted Larry Ellison as the owner. Someone that uh, would have probably done what uh, Prokhorov did. Yeah, I mean, when you're Nets. a fan of a team, you really just want someone who's really rich and successful to buy the team because you you kind of think, yep, it's going to translate over. And I don't think there's anyone in the Bay Area richer than Larry Ellison. So it was just kind of, you know, when some guy that the average fan didn't know named Joe Laker bought the team, you're like. Oh great! I'm sure this guy will make mistakes. You know, probably be another Chris Cohan, and you know it's been the opposite. Yeah, he's been he's been the rare owner where he's very uh, invested in the everyday moves of the team and it being successful. That's extremely rare. Yeah, you're more used to the uh, the the Jed York where the owner has his hands on everything, and you're like. Can you just let the uh, the professionals yeah. do it? You know, yeah. um, that's the far more common story with with you know young energetic owners where they can't get out of their way. And I don't know if if you were the owner, Andy, or I was as well. I I can't say I'd be different either. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd want my I'd want to know everything. Yeah, um, I mean, Lakeup's also done a thing where he's he's so invested he's got his sons pretty much running the team, and that's always an interesting topic because I don't know how good they actually are at their job. Uh, we will see. Uh, the the Giants, I think, are pretty good with that. Their ownership is pretty hands off uh, in terms of they kind of just. But let... they're also a, they're also a conglomerate. Mm-hmm. Like it's, mm-hmm. I don't know how many owners, but um, it's not a situation where there's one one man out in front. You know, like yeah. like Mark Davis or Jed York. You know, so it's it's a different when when you have a board, it tends to be that way, right? Yeah, uh, your guy Mark Davis, by the way, worst owner in NFL. Closer to that than the best. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, it's not it's not the prettiest track record. Um, we've also spent the last uh, we're, uh, we've been on since four o'clock. We spent a few segments kind of debating the the ego or the coaching of the Bay Area and how that's affected the structure of the team. For example, we've got Kyle Shanahan who yesterday decided to keep three quarterbacks on the team, C.J. Pethard. When most teams one. carry two. Yep, most teams carry two on a 53-man roster, and the Niners are not loaded enough at every position where you can have the luxury of keeping three quarterbacks. So that's one. We have one. Raiders decided three is not enough. Need four. I just don't know what they're going to do with the fourth Who's one. Who's the fourth one? Deshaun Kaiser. Oh, boy. Had to claim off waivers. Oh, boy. Um. My guy Gruden just loves himself a quarterback project. Deshaun Kaiser at least was talented and had flashes. I don't think you can say the same for Nate Peterman. Obviously, you don't remember that nice run he had in the preseason. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't understand the point to caring about your third-string quarterback that much. Uh, Dieter Kurtenbach, who we had on earlier, had a piece on how – Kyle Shanahan keeping three quarterbacks is an ego move. Mm-hmm. And he had an interesting quote in here, which I really enjoyed from Tom Moore, who is the Colts offensive coordinator um, when they were really good with Peyton Manning. He says, he says why, you know, they don't, why their backup quarterback wasn't taking any snaps with the first team. Moore responds, fellas, if 18 
goes down, we're effed. We don't practice effed. His point's kind of like, hey, man, if Peyton gets hurt, it doesn't matter. They're in the backup quarterback in the world who's going to be able to do what he does for us. So why do we even practice? If he goes down, we're just tanking. And that's kind of how I view it, too. Like, if you think your backup can replicate what your starter does at a position as important as quarterback, we need to start having conversations about your starter. <laughs> if you have, yeah, if you have three quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. Right. That, yeah. That's that's the uh it's not like running back where you can, you know, committee it. Yeah. Or it comes down to your coach having such a ego about his system, thinking, I can plug anyone in here and oh. we can win. And I think that's more of what we got going on with the two barrier coaches. But you and I both know, you know, you can scheme up the greatest plays. If the quarterback can't make that throw, you don't you don't get brownie points for I get mo I got more players open. I got Dante op- I got Dante Pettis open. I think Mullins just overthrew him again for the sixteenth time this week. Um yeah, you don't get credit for that. Um what's interesting enough is the Warriors have a, that bit of an issue in the small forward position. Um they have I'm gonna count Jacob Evans maybe as someone you can play there. Alec Burks, Glenn Robinson, uh Alfonso McKinney. <laughs> Bunch of guys are gonna get open shots in the corner. Are they going to hit him? You know, I, I, it's 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 not quite the same thing as Kevin Durant. No, um, and that's kind of the issue for the Warriors, where um, they got a bunch of guys that at small forward. Where I mean, Glenn Robinson's kind of a lottery ticket. Uh, Jacob Evans is someone that they kind of almost. I think they're almost he's, shoehorning him. He's more a of a guard, but yeah, I see your point. Yeah, you know, and he supposedly could play defense, but I don't know about that. And then we just didn't see him last year. And when you don't see a guy's rookie year, you usually veer on the side of, well, that's not good. Then, yeah. you know, he's a hidden gem. Also, if you're not the best player on the court uh, in Summer League, which he wasn't, that's usually a red flag. Patrick McCall looked great uh, going into his second year in the Summer League. That's true. Uh, Jacob Evans did not look great, he looked good. Um, so that's. Probably he had flashes, great. and you yeah. don't want flashes against <laughs> marginal talent. You yeah. want domination against marginal marginal talent. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, from the text line, by the way, uh, I'm really bummed that they cut Doss. Who's Doss? Keelan, Keelan Doss. Doss. Yeah, I am too. I thought he looked good. I don't know. Kaiser. That's all. <laughs> Needed that fourth quarterback. Um, by the way, Keelan Doss is signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars practice squad. Oh, wow. So that's that's how deep into it we are right now. But yeah. I don't know. I thought he looked good. Everyone likes a local boy. It's always cool when someone local um, makes it to a team. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but back to the Warriors since, man, we are. We've been, it's been about two months since we've been on. We make those deep runs. The off seasons get short. Yeah. And the crazy part is that not really, not much has happened in this past month. Um, but training cap starts. Yeah. August is kind of the dry month for NBA content. Um you know, summer leagues ended. Basically, all you get are various Instagram videos of people showing that they can beat plumbers. Um, it's it's a little boring, but you know. So Ben Simmons' fifteenth dunk in pickup hoops didn't impress you. I mean, it just told me Ben Simmons can beat anyone at twenty four hour fitness, which I knew. I didn't need to see it. It's still kind of fun watching it, but you know, doesn't tell me anything I don't know. Yeah, I think I'm good. Um, also, don't really need to see LeBron James doing uh, squats uh, in tight, tight in uh, short shorts. Uh, <laughs> you uh, didn't know he worked out? <laughs> I had no idea. So I woke up looking like that. Yeah, I had no idea. I know I need to be. We do have the uh, FIBA World Cup. This is actually going to be interesting. I don't know if the U.S. going to win it. They lost. 
to Australia. Yeah. I mean, you see the roster they're sending out there? It's not great. Uh, the best player is Kemba Walker, which is fine. He's a really good player. He's not the best player in the tournament. He's not even... No, not the, even... Clo- the, I mean, I mean Giannis, Giannis is better. Jokic is better than anyone on the U.S. Yeah. You would say Jokic is better than any of the U.S. Yeah, players, correct. Right? Yep. I, what I do think is interesting is people are um, comparing it to 2010. And if you remember, 2010, they sent a bunch of 21-year-olds. The difference is those 21-year-olds were Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Russell Westbrook, James Harden. KD had already shown he was kind of on his way because he was, he was a generational player. But those other guys hadn't really proven anything in the NBA. No, no. Other than like you know giving us a couple highlights, but they weren't any more proven than Donovan Mitchell or Jason Tatum are right now. Um, but they turned out into, I mean, all those players won MVPs. Yeah, that was an incredibly stat. And uh, K- I also, KD I also forgot up. Derrick Rose on that team, too, who also won an MVP and you know, his career. Kind How of do you country. remember that? I know you're not looking at the roster right now. That is, I just remember that team was incredible. Like, because the point is, those were all the equivalent of Tatum, Mitchell, Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown, and it kind of gets me thinking more. Maybe this generation of American players is just not as good as that one. You know, I mean, I don't think it's normal to have five MVP well, caliber players all around the same age. Like, that's just kind of one of those things where it happens. Once every twenty five years. Well, okay, let's let's kind of scale it back though. There are a lot of players that ended up not playing, right? And 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 but none of them are under twenty five. My point well, is, well, Devin Booker, Ben Simmons, Devin and, right? They might not be NBA players. I'm mean, sorry, Russell, MVP players. Right? Yeah, D'Angelo Russell might be the best American under twenty five. I mean, think about this: all the uh, good under twenty five players in the NBA are non American. It's it's really interesting, Giannis. 24. Jokic, 24. Ben Simmons, 22. Carl um, Anthony Towns, 24. Um, Luka Doncic, 19 or 20. Those are probably the five best players under the age of 25 in the NBA. None of them are American. Yeah. I think it's kind of um, yeah. America still has the most talent. Like they just, they have high end NBA players down to the 12th man. Whereas like Giannis is great. I don't know about anyone on the Greece bench right, 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 making right, an NBA right, rotation. Right, so you'd have to go Team USA versus the world for that to be a chance. Um, right. Where and the other thing is, I, I, to me, it's almost these guys just don't want to play because they just don't care. Because I mean, listen, if if Team USA loses this, does it really matter? Because I don't think it really hurts Team USA's uh, reputation. Because look, man, I'm looking at this roster. I see Joe Harris and Brooke Lopez and Plumlee just pop up. If they lose to a team of Giannis, I mean, I'm not, it's not the end of the world. You know, yeah, you're saying if in the Olympics they send Harden, AD, Steph, Clay, LeBron even. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Steph or LeBron or any any of the guys over 30 are locks to go, but let's just say they send AD and Harden and a few other guys like that, and then they lose, then we got a conversation. We got a problem. But it is kind of worrisome that. All the U.S. players of substance are all, like, AD is the youngest. He's 26, and AD's great. But where's the next great young Air American player? Uh, do you see that one guy that can dunk really high that just got into the NBA? 
Oh, oh, well, Zion. <laughs> yeah, he might be okay. Yeah, he might be all right, but he might not be. I don't know. He might not be. Who knows? Um, but no, you have a point, and maybe that's kind of a wave kind of thing. Maybe it's just certain things. I mean, the game's throws. gone global. I, eventually, by going global, we knew we would start seeing players of like of superstar caliber, not just being from America. Yeah, I, th- I forgot Embiid. By the way, another non-American superstar. Yeah, um, who's young. Yep, and I mean it. It, it always comes back around, almost even because I mean you remember um, was it Lithuania that had that or Spain? Even they had that like the golden age. I think it was Lithuania where they had a bunch of NBA players that were great. Um, but that dies off, right? It's just I well, think just drawing for a smaller population. There's there's a reality to it. You yep. know, America yep. has what three hundred and fifty yep. million people, something yep. in that range. It's a boiling pot, Sam. Yes. <laughs> Yes, Andy, that it is. Uh, If you want to join us, 888-957-9570. I guess we're discussing FIBA World Cup. Well, let's go down this roster because um, I I do like the way it's uh, constructed. Just they've got shooters. uh, They've got some defenders, right? Some slashers. Yeah, a little bit of everything. Yep. And it's almost like you've got to kind of do that because you don't have any star players. But I got it up in front of me. Harrison Barnes, Jalen Brown. Harris, Har- Harrison Barnes is the most tenured player on the team. Isn't that crazy? Shout out Harry Barnes for just kind of outlasting people. <laughs> He's 27. He's only 27, by the way. He just got another massive contract um, from the Kings. Uh, so we've got Brooke Lopez, uh, Chris Middleton, who probably, in my opinion, should be a lot better for this team than he's been so far. He should be someone that's, I mean, he's a shooter. He's a good defender. He's a shooter who hasn't been hang shots and he's got to you you and i both know that doesn't usually last like he's too good a shooter to just not make shots right i mean here's a chance for him though right to show i mean it's it's, take kind of another step in terms of his stature and he better because i mean Giannis, the bucks kind of don't have someone that can take that step if Giannis wants to stay who do who do they have that has upside chris middleton better be that guy he's a max player um they've had to keep Derek white Right, so it like it gets ugly the more you scroll down there. They have to uh, keep Derek White. They have Joe Harris starting basketball games, right? So it's like, well, they haven't really run the same starting lineup any two. Like Pop has, Pop has treated this like he treats the Spurs, which is <laughs> truly just rotating everyone and you know kind of throwing it against the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah, uh, Steve Kerr's an assistant coach, by the way. Not shocking. Wonder if he'll come back with some new new plays. For the Warriors next year. Let's see. I mean, it's a different roster. We'll see. It'll be interesting to see if he incorporates some of the Team USA stuff. Yeah, Steve Kerr comes back and he's yelling at the people who are interviewing him and uh, just resting Steph, you know, on national TV games. Yeah, he'll come back. It'll be nice. Marcus Smart is on the team. The gotta Boston Celtics. De- got to have your defensive specialist. Huh. Yeah, so if, if if they win, Team USA wins. If they lose, the Celtics lost. <laughs> Four yeah. Celtics. Unbelievable. Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart. You could argue could be in a closing lineup. You could argue. Yeah, th- throw those four out there with a the center. <laughs> throw those four out there with Mason Plumlee. That could easily be a Boston team, couldn't it? Yeah, I mean, they just sell them for Enos Cantor. That's the Celtics closing lineup. <laughs> I am shocked Celtics talk is not getting the phone lines going. <laughs> Labor Day Sunday, Sam. I think people are uh, – it's still sunny outside. Ah, it's still nice. Um, but, all right, so they're still favored, by the way. They um, are. By Vegas. They're they still favored. They should be, but the line, it keeps moving. They're not 
I mean, I'm not telling you anything that isn't obvious. They're not favored as heavily as they typically are when they have this like superstar all-star team. Yeah, I mean, who do you, who do you think he even has a chance against them? That's the thing. Serbia. Like, Serbia is probably the best team because it's Jokic plus a bunch of um, EuroLeague stars who've played together. It yeah, it's, pr- it's one of those teams where they can make like 15 threes. In uh, the continuity, it's like, you know, you and I aren't watching every European qualifier, but they play every time. So it's like, it's like remember, when, remember when Kobe and LeBron and that, what's it called, the Redeem team? You remember when they, they kind of ran through, but they struggled against Spain in that championship game, and guess who took over in the end? Kobe Bryant. He was the true alpha of that team. They struggled, though, because they had guys, like Spain had guys that aren't good in the NBA, but are good in a EuroLeague setting. Right. Uh, Rudy Fernandez, for example, Juan Carlos Navarro. Um, Shot makers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at and this. And they knew how to play with each other. Yep. It's like you can – Everyone knows when you play against a team who's played together for a while, like they just know where to cut, how to move with each other. Yeah, like Nemanja Bjelica is on the Serbia team. I bet you he's going to be good, <laughs> despite the fact that he probably couldn't play in the NBA or he wasn't very good in the NBA. Uh, they got Bogdan Bogdanovic, by the way, um, who's probably their best scorer, uh, I would have to assume, unless, I mean, outside of Jokic. Um, so I don't know, man. I'm looking at kind of these teams. If Serbia is the team here, I don't, I don't see much NBA talent on there. You going to um, be watching? Yeah, I'll be watching. These games are like 5 a.m., though. These are early games, but I'll be watching. Yeah, time the uh, the time zone difference is not friendly to us, but, hey, it is what it is. People over there watch NBA games all the time, and, you know, we don't feel sorry for them when they have to wake up at 3 a.m. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes you got to return the favor. I need my fix of uh, Marcus Smart uh, uh, in, the, um, in a team. I mean, you can just watch the NFL. Yeah. Um, all right, we got a few minutes here. We're capping off. Uh, we've gone over Chase Center experience, uh, the worst trades in Bay Area history, a uh, little bit of a preview on the Warriors next season. So let's let's finish the show, the last few minutes of the show with this, Sam. Let's talk about a preview of the Warriors and what they're going to do uh, with training camp coming up. Is this the most ex- like most important training camp since when? 2014? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the first time. Even before the 2014-15 season where they won their first title, um, they'd already had Iguodala, and for a year, the other core guys had played together for three, four years. There was a level of continuity there that they just don't have anymore. Outside of Steph and Draymond, McKinney is and Looney are the next most experienced players in terms of the way the Warriors play. Yeah, yeah, I think this is a team that. Uh, I think Steph even said this in an interview where his, it's, hey, we need to be practicing. We need to be practicing. We need to coach these guys. We need them to get better. This isn't about maintaining our bodies now because more likely than not, they're going to have to play 70 games. If they play 60 games or 55 games, these guys might not make the playoffs. Yeah, there's no – they don't have the luxury of load management. Yeah. Yeah, um, which, is the, which is essentially what they've done for three seasons, and it's still – um, they've done that, and they've still been tired just because of all the games they've had to play. They've played over 80 extra games, which is over a full season of postseason games in the last five years, which is ridiculous, uh, a ridiculous amount of wear and tear, which is why when you talk about someone like James Harden, every time he doesn't do well in the playoffs, he's always quote-unquote tired, despite the fact that he only plays one side of the ball, right? You flip that and you talk about the Warriors – by, and they've by been the grinded. way, they've played 105 games wow. 
in the last five years in the playoffs? 105. It's a lot of basketball. Yeah, 105 games of playoff basketball. Different type of basketball. Guys are playing more minutes, playing a lot harder. Yeah, yeah, a lot harder on both sides of the ball, right? Anytime you're playing defense, a lot of these teams don't really play defense in the regular season. The Warriors definitely didn't. So anytime you, anytime you got to do that, um, it's just it's it's taxing. It's taxing on the mind. Um, but it does look like uh, it does look like Steph is ready for the season. It does look like Draymond is ready. They do operate better as underdogs, uh, as compared to kind of favorites. Fascinatingly enough, they've been much better when they're a team that's doubted. Um, it, it does sound like Draymond, Steph, and Clay. Now we're not going to see Clay for probably fifty games at minimum. Um, yeah, I think fifties, fifty-five yep. or so, something like that. Uh, but Steph, and Draymond, and Clay seem very excited to prove they can lead a different group. Yeah, yeah, they can lead the uh, Alec Burks of the world. Uh, they can lead Clint Robinson. How good do you think? Because I think what's pretty important here. Now we're getting down to the to the nitty gritty. Um, how good do you think Kevon Looney's going to be? Because that's I think a huge X factor as to whether they can be a uh, a true postseason contender. Do you, do you or mean not. can he expand his game? Because we know he's good, but he's been good in a defined role. They're going to need him to do more. He's going to yep. he's going to need to do more than rim run. He needs to be a better defender, right? He needs not he's dream a- on level. He's but, a good defender. He needs to show he can create a little offense, be it through the pass or off the dribble. If he's going to play 30 minutes, he needs to average like 15 points. Yeah, he needs to be able to hit jumpers or do something other than what he's doing right now. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of their uh, – well, the lottery ticket is D'Angelo Russell. If D'Angelo Russell is going to expand and, and become uh, – you made a comparison last hour uh, to C.J. McCollum. If D'Angelo Russell becomes C.J. McCollum, the Warriors are in a good spot. Yeah, and my comp there was more, okay, Portland's won 50-plus games the last two years with Dame and CJ. And I think we would all agree Steph is better than Dame. So can he be for Steph what CJ McCollum was for Dame? Their games aren't the same, but I'm talking about that level of impact. Yeah, yeah. And if they get there, keep in mind you still have Draymond Green, who's markedly better than anybody else that Portland has. Better than Nurkic. Yeah. Better than Nurkic, right? And then you get a team. I mean, Portland's essentially every single year a 50-win first-round exit team. So if you think of it that way and the Warriors get clay back in the postseason, all of a sudden you have a team that, I mean, I've even thought of this, Sam. What if they end up playing the Lakers in the first round? Right? What if the Lakers are a three-seed or a four-seed and the Warriors are right there and they play in the first I, round? Whew. I don't hate that matchup for the Warriors. It's a good if, matchup, if yeah. Clay is If Clay is healthy because – they don't have anyone who can guard the backcourt other than Danny Green, who just tries to injure Warriors players. But like Rondo, Caruso, Kentavious <laughs> Caldwell Pope. I mean, it's, you know, run the, it's, it's, uh, it's a favorable matchup for the Warriors now, right now on the flip side. I mean, Draymond's going to have to guard both <laughs> LeBron and AD. That's not great. Right, right. And you're putting, you're putting Clay out there on a, on a brand new ACL. Uh, trying to guard LeBron, right? Because they put Clay also not great. Yeah, not great. But um, I love the way you said Caruso. Like, just, <laughs> just annoyed that they have Rajon Rondo and, and Caruso. You don't believe in Kyle Kuzma, I assume. Well, uh, he's not a guard. Yeah. I was just running through the guys who would have to guard Steph, Clay, and D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think that'd be a good matchup too. Uh, the landscape of the NBA today is I don't think that. 
the Clippers are going to be as good. I think people are almost uh, penciling him in. Yep, almost penciling him in as like a one seed, you know, championship contender for I'm, sure. I'm willing to go on the record and say they will not be the one seed because I don't think they'll be healthy enough to. Yeah, Paul George is not playing probably the first ten games. Yeah, Paul George has yeah. surgery on both shoulders. Sheesh. His best offensive skill is his ability to shoot the ball. Yeah. Very hard to do without a shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know. Thank Ka- you for that, Dr. Sam. <laughs> and then Kawhi, uh, I mean, he's basically said he's on the load management plan for the remainder of his career, which is pretty worrisome given his age. Kawhi I- Leonard was on a, on a load management plan last year and barely made it through the finals. I mean, he was limping around pretty hard. He had to. I'm not gonna say he got carried, but those supporting players play pretty well, despite Kawhi not playing. Like that's kind of an underrated piece of the NBA Finals is that Kawhi wasn't that great. Kawhi had an amazing game four, which may have won them the series. The Warriors really should have tied it up two two there when Clay was back, and Kawhi went nuts in the second half. And I don't think he had another memorable play no. the rest of the finals. No. Like, it was all Kyle Lowry, which was very surprising. Yeah. Van Vliet, Siakam. Yeah. Gasol. I mean, they had a lot of good players. They really outlasted the Warriors more than anything. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, he he's one of those guys who everyone knows how good he is when he's healthy. But there have to be real questions about how much of a how much you can truly count on him. Yeah, that as well as, hey, they've had they had a lot of supporting role players. Uh, that played very well last season, but how sustainable is that, right? Because at the end of the day, they're not superstars. You know what you're getting with Draymond Green and Steph Curry and Clay Thompson every year. Um, Montrez Harrell, good player, but I don't know. Lou Williams, Pat Beverly, like these guys are good, and they got a couple like uh, who's that? Who's that? Uh, Mo Harkless. Uh, I'm thinking of Shamit. Uh, yeah. Mo Harkless is there as well, but I, I just these aren't guys that I'm trusting necessarily for a full season or a postseason yet. Um, and then you look at the rest of the Western Conference, got the Lakers, talked about them. Uh, you got the Utah Jazz, uh, who are per- perennially, per- perennially uh, solid. They added a couple pieces. I think they got a lot better. Mm-hmm. I don't know how good their upside is, but I right. know they will be a better team. Um, I mean, Mike Conley's a lot better than Rubio. <laughs> Boyan Bogdanovich, a lot better than Jay Crowder. They, 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 they replaced two players who don't hit jumpers with two guys who hit them very consistently. Yeah, and you look at the rest of the conference. Um, you got the Spurs. Denver is obviously going to be good. Like they're not, they're still young. Denver, I think, might be slept on a little bit in terms of their upside. Well, that's the team where if you know you were saying earlier, LeBron James moved to Cleveland and he thought he pretty much had you know a dynasty in the bag or at least a couple more championships in the bag. He had Kyrie, he had Kevin Love. All of a sudden, Steph Curry becomes Steph Curry, and the Warriors win titles. Um, Denver is that team. If Jamal Murray becomes some version of Steph Curry. Well, yes, that's asking a lot out of him. But yeah, you're right. If Jamal, Murray, if Jamal Murray takes a huge step, they might be that team that no one's talking about. That's for real. Because just, just taking it back a second, exactly. When LeBron went to Cleveland, everyone just assumed they would win a bunch of titles. You know, LeBron goes somewhere, not two, not three, whatever, you know. And no one had the Warriors ranked. Um, Vegas had them maybe as the sixth most likely team, if not lower than that, and they came out of nowhere. Yeah, I think that's. Um, I think it's an out. I don't think that happens. That's the only player too, like because the Warriors had Clay and Draymond take those steps. I don't think Gary Harris is taking those steps. No, Gary Harris is who he is. He's <laughs> yeah. a nice player. Yeah, I don't think Monty Morris is taking those steps. Right. So essentially, Tory Craig. Just, yeah, Tory Craig. Don't think so. 
Mason so essentially, Plumlee. it's just a, a. Is he is he the one that's on the Team USA? Yes. Um, the best yeah. of the Plumleys. You never know who. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's a team that could be there. But looking, and then you got the Houston Rockets. Wow, we spent three hours on the radio. We didn't talk about the Houston Rockets, but um, they're a team that who knows Russell Westbrook and James Harden. It's combustible. Oh, yeah, to say the it's, least. It's gonna have uh, it's gonna have some moments going both ways. <laughs> I bet you they start well though. Um, they do start well, but that's not a team that I would see as a contender. So you look down the list, and hey, the Western Conference is good. But how good are they where the Warriors don't have a chance to make it to the Western Conference Finals? So that's kind of uh, that's kind of the optimism and part of the Warriors. I think the op- optimism coming from Warriors players where, hey, they're not they're the sixth favorite team in Vegas right now to win the title. And it certainly doesn't really feel that way because, you know, if you put these guys healthy on the court against the Utah Jazz, who are you taking? Right? I don't think it's close. Yeah. Um. Oh, that's it. I think it's time. It's time. It's hard stop time. All right, Warriors World Radio. We'll be back next week. Andy Liu, Samus Fendiari. We'll chat with you soon. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.